Bibles out, we're going to start in, um, in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, chapter 34. The title for my talk today is Courage. Courage. And I'm not talking about the courage, you know, the real bravado type courage that I used to think I had, but I'm talking about this kind of reassurance that uh, the direction that we're heading is correct and the foundation is sure and that the Lord Jesus Christ understands everything about this life. He said he is the author of life. And so uh, he said he is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And so there's nothing in this life uh, that the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't know about. And uh, he understands every part of it, and he's here to direct us through every part of it. But what we're going through now in the world is uh, significant. And there are moments in our life where we can kind of pinpoint certain times where this is a real pivotal point in our life. What is happening in the world is significant. And, and when things that are significant are happening, we need to stand up and we need to, you know, re-look at what we're doing and prioritize our life and, and look at the decisions that we're making and, uh, and the direction we're heading. And I'm just going to take you back to, um, a time when the children of Israel were just about to enter into the promised land that God had promised them. And for them, it was a significant moment for them. This next chapter, the Lord, uh, you know, was going to direct them. In the next chapter, they didn't even know what, what was actually going to happen. There was going to be challenges, but God was going to be with them. And God was going to overcome those challenges, and God was going to direct them as the challenges came up against them. But in, but in Deuteronomy chapter 34 and verse 7, it says here, And Moses was 120 years old when he died. It says, His eye was not dim, nor... Um, his uh, natural force abated or his his face hadn't kind of, hadn't lessened. He wasn't like weak and old. He just, you know, he was still in good, good health. And it says here, and we're reading of a time uh, where Moses up to that stage had led the children of Israel to that point. But Moses was not going to take him into this next chapter. It was going to be Joshua. And so I really just want us to take strength from that and take courage from that, that we are meant to be living on this earth at this time to see what we're seeing. And from the beginning of time and through the plan of God, we are now equipped, we are the anointed, and we are ready. And, and not to kind of think that this is all a mistake. Why am I seeing? Why am I here at the time, times, signs of the last times? Why am I here on earth? And, and the reality is, is that God has placed you here for this time. And when we look through the scriptures and we think about all the, all the different people that uh, men and women through the scriptures about were there at a significant time, you know, uh, I think about, of course, Moses, who was a reluctant leader, but his God's people were being oppressed through slavery. And Moses had to stand up and rely upon God and show courage and to go back to Egypt and to fulfill the will of God to set his people free. I have Samuel here at a time when there was God hardly spoke you know, upon the earth. He says there was a great dearth, there was nothing happening. But Samuel was raised up so he would speak to the people to reconnect Israel back to God. And I think about Queen Esther and those famous words that she was brought in you know, such a time as this. She was encouraged by her cousin you know, uh, to save her people her people, the children of Israel, were going to, uh, there was going to be a great genocide. But she had to stand up and speak. So these are all significant times in, in history through the pages of the Bible 
where God was going to strengthen his people and he was going to give them the courage to speak. And I believe that we are at that time now. Let's go to Joshua chapter 1 and have a read through what the Lord said to Joshua as he entered into the promised land. We'll begin in verse 1 here. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. There is no option. It's going to have to be you. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you. As I said unto Moses, it says, From the wilderness to Lebanon, even unto the great river Euphrates. We go to verse 5. And there shall uh, not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. What incredible strength God was going to give unto them, and did give unto them, and gives unto us. As it was uh, with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Verse 6, Be strong. And of a good courage, for unto this people shall they divide for inheritance the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from the right hand, nor to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. And it says, goes on to read in verse 8, it says, it says, This book of the law shall not depart from out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Now I have commanded thee, be strong and of good courage. This is the third time he says it. Be not afraid, neither be dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. And isn't this our ministry, that the law of God is written upon our hearts through the Holy Ghost? And don't we need to stay resolute and, and strong and understand what direction that we need to take? And aren't we the head and not the tail? Don't the words that we speak, they, none of them we read in another, another time, none of them will fall to the ground. Every word that we speak will you know, hit the mark. And I believe that we are called for such a time as this. Because we know... Uh, him that was from the beginning and him, him that will be there right into the final day. And he has come to manifest his life with us and that is our courage, that is our strength to know God. And it does us well to encourage each other in the same way, um, that we speak the same way, that we, we reassure each other that nothing is out of control. This whole world you know, revolves around the statistics, how many infected and how many died and how many recovered. And all of a sudden, uh, the gospel has come alive because now we have some ears that are beginning to hear. And I believe that this is so significant for us that we need to be so in tuned with it that we stand up with great courage and we speak because God has called us for such a time. He has prepared us for this time. He has put you know, his words into our heart and into our mind to speak them. Um, but I've written down here a few different things about what it takes, you know, to take courage. It takes courage to stand up even against yourself. To overcome the things that uh, we know we need to deal with even within our lives. 
So it takes courage to kind of say, I need to get myself prepared for such a time like this. And I need to do it quickly because I am the light of the world. So it takes, it takes a, a huge amount of courage and the Lord can help us with that. The Lord is working with us continually, day by day, thought by thought, the Lord works with us. And so uh, I guess my encouragement is that take courage, that, um, that uh, to, you know, get your priorities correct in your life and uh, to understand what is important, understand what is my uh, calling in this now and what do I need to do and uh, who, have, who has God, what does he call me to do in, uh, at this time here? In Joshua 24, just to turn to a scripture, in Joshua 24, Joshua makes this great statement. Just after he encourages all the tribes, he brings them all together and he says, he gives a statement that still to this day encourages us. That Joshua knew that what he was doing on this earth was significant. I don't know if it was, be, I don't know if he was going, knew that it would be spoken of in thousands of years to come. But uh, if we can put ourselves in that mindset to understand that the things that we do today will have a futuristic Significance as well. But in, in Joshua 24 and verse 14, he makes this strong pro- proclamation to all the tribes of, of Israel. He says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you shall serve, whether it be the gods which your fathers served that were the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land we dwell, they have become our footstool. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will take courage in the Lord. We will take our strength from the Lord. We will walk by faith according to God's promises. So it takes courage to stand up against yourself. And sometimes it takes courage to even stand up against the things you associate with. That maybe these are, you know, quite personal things I'm talking about, but I believe that the time is significant. And we maybe don't have to diddy daddly around the, you know, the fact that we need to get our house in order. We need to get our walk at the best it needs to be. Because as Pastor Chad said, we believe we are living in the last days. And oftentimes you would, thinking of what would it be like living in the last days and what would I be thinking and what would I be doing in the last days? Well, I would like to announce to you that we are now living in the last days. And maybe we need to take the courage from the Lord to look at what are we associating with and what are we doing with our life and where are we prioritising our our time, you know, throughout the week and our thoughts. And so sometimes... uh, we need to kind of look at ourselves. We need to look at our associations. Why? Because people are relying upon us. Because we have the mind of Christ within us, the courage of Christ within us to speak. We have the truth. How precious it is to have have the truth. I've got one more thing here. We need courage to stand up and speak to the unsaved. And and of course, it's always daunting. Not every here wants to hear what we have to say. But there are some, you know, uh, great times over history where, you know, the ears that were once dull become open. And uh, the eyes that once could not see start to see through this world. And the repentance begins in their life. 
but they need a preacher to go and to uh, and to speak the words of truth. So I guess, you know, for me, I want to challenge everyone that's listening in and the few that are here that uh, to scroll through your phone and to connect with old contacts and to uh, challenge yourself to call people that you know you've spoken about the Lord and give them a call and say, so what do you think is happening here in the world? How are you going? And uh, we've been seeing a bit of that lately this week. You know, just calling people up and saying, what do you, you know, what do you think is happening in the world? You reckon it's, uh, and it got any significance? And even people have been calling in and, and, and coming into, uh, you know, into work and even asking me, you know what's happening in the world? Does the Bible know what's going on? Does the Bible have a, uh, have a plan for this? Is, was it mentioned in the Bible? And, um, I just wanted to, uh, you know, uh, it's been an exciting week. You know, of course we had a, a couple baptized, uh, last week. Can I mention their names? Yeah, fantastic. Well, they're, they're here with us. Uh, so Kyle and Jess were baptized last week, filled with the Holy Spirit last week, and uh, are sitting here in the audience. We had another uh, man last night from work um, that received the Holy Spirit at my place, just on his knees. And so things are happening all over the world. I know someone baptized yesterday. We'll have a baptism today. So if you're not completely convinced that these are the last days, Jesus says you shall know them by their fruit. You should see it by its sign. To look at the fig tree and know what is the season. What are the seasons that we should be identifying? But I just wanted to read a couple of text messages of what, you know, uh, some messages that I received this week. And you tell me whether we are at a time when uh, the Lord's about to return. One person text messaged me said, I had another conversation with the stars again last night. I'm sure that getting baptized by the Holy Spirit is the right thing to do. Can you help me? Another person wrote, I spent some time alone, read back through Acts, put my mind aside and asked God for help. I was speaking in the Spirit for a while, felt like my chest was sinking into the wall and it was all uh, confirmed once again. God truly is amazing. Had another random call on WeChat from China saying, uh, do you believe in John Huss? Do you believe in John Huss? I thought, who is John Huss? I had no idea who John Huss is. And so I, uh, I, I started to answer the question as to how I thought, you know, it should be answered. And then I thought, you know what? I've just, it's okay not to know. So I kind of said to the person, do you mind if, uh, we end the call now? Let me go read who is this man, John Huss. And, uh, and I'll come back to you and I'll give you an answer whether we associate with John Huss. And, and, uh, I went and I spent, uh, you know, 10 minutes just researching this man, John Huss, who happened to be a Czechoslovakian from Bavaria, and he was a reformist. And, uh, and he spoke against the, the churches. He, and he aligned himself with the scriptures. And when he found, and he aligned himself with the scriptures, he realized, I need to make a decision. Either I align myself with scripture, or I align myself with the churches. Because one is light, and one is darkness. They're speaking a completely different message. And he was a reformist, and, uh, like everyone in those days, they will end up tied to a post and burnt alive at the age of 43. And a hundred years later, we read of Martin Luther who came and, and uh, he said that he is a, he announced himself a Hussite, meaning he was going to follow on from what John Hussard had already established. And so uh, I haven't, haven't had a chance to call back to uh, China, but yes, we are Hussites. We speak against the churches. 
Because either you want the incredible power of God that changes your life, that transforms the way you think, that gives you the motivation to follow after him, or you can just remain religious all your life. And you can fight every morning to motivate yourself to get to church and to to think what you think is worshipping the Lord. But it's missing the mark. And the mark is not too hard to find. If the mark was hard to find, and then you may be, you know, were justified. But last night, even after feeding him, this, this young man, he got on his knees, he survived my dinner, he received the Holy Spirit, he spoke in tongues, and he just kind of thought, is it that easy? And the reality is, yes it is. Jesus Christ came and died for us that it would be that easy for us to receive, you know, this great strength. Let's turn to a scripture. Um, let's go to John 14. Understand the way. John 14 is a great scripture, a great way about uh, the way to go. How do we how do we know the way to go? And uh, of course, the truth lives within us. And in John 14, and in verse one, it says, "Let not your heart be troubled." Jesus speaking. Let not your heart be troubled. He says, "You believe in God, believe also in me." He says, "In my Father's house are many mansions." If it were not so, I would have told you. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, ye shall be, uh, ye, that ye may be also. So Christ was going to go and die upon the cross, and he was going to send his spirit so that you could be in the same place as Christ every day, every minute of the day. He says, and whether you, uh, you know, and, the, and, and whether I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? In a way, we like to, we, we're thankful for Thomas. Sometimes we're a bit too scared to ask these types of questions, but we thank Thomas for this. And Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So as we follow the Lord, you know, he lights the path to our feet. As we follow the Lord and his principles and his word and the, and the Holy Ghost that lives within us, we know the way to go. We have no doubt, you know, we are, uh, there is a pandemic in the world, but we don't follow the pandemic. We follow the Lord and the Lord leads us through, you know, the hard times through the pandemic. We never take our eyes off of the Lord. It's the Lord that we're focused on. He is the Alpha and Omega. You know, in John chapter 1, it talks that, you know, he says he was there from the beginning and said there was nothing that was made in the earth that, that wasn't made by him. He made all things, from the great mountains to our atmosphere that we breathe in, to our thoughts, to the way we, you know, we, uh, you know, communicate with each other. This is all made by God. So why would we leave such a great relationship to go and follow someone else? But in fact, the Lord has said, I've given you that great relationship that you may lead others unto the truth. So we are at a significant time. He said that we are the light of the world. And for all those that are the light of the world, now is the time for us to shine. We can take people on this journey with clarity, with strength and great courage and humility to understand what is, what's coming next to mankind, what's coming to the world next. I did a Google uh, look up and I, I looked up, you know, uh, specialised jobs in the world. 
Because I believe that we have a specialised job to do. God has anointed us with his Holy Spirit. He's put the Spirit of God within us so that we can direct people. So I looked up what are other specialised jobs and I, I found a job called a, a pilot captain, which is a person that would, would um, take control of a ship through a, either a treacherous part of the sea or through a man-made canal that needs incredible skill. And it's a specialist skill that, um, that only a very few people can do. So I was looking up uh, about uh, the Panama Canal, which is a shipping lane, which was built uh, early, in, early in the 1900s. And there's a little bit of an account here of uh, um, a captain just reading, just really saying what happens when, uh, when they go through this canal, which is a very uh, narrow part of, um, you know, cut through a mountainside and, and it kind of goes up a mountain through uh, locks, gets to the top of the mountain, and then goes down through locks. And there's only uh, only a certain amount of people that know how to how to direct this incredible ship through there. And I'd like to think that we are a pilot, the pilot of the spiritual world, and the chief pilot, Jesus Christ, is is uh, also the one that leads us and has taught us how to navigate through this. So I'll read it from how I. I got it off the internet here. So it says here, Captain Myong Lee paces the bridge in blue, blue rubber sandals. Normally, he is the master of the South Korean cargo ship bound for New Orleans. But in Panama Canal, he's only a spectator. This is the only place in the world he must turn control over of his ship over to someone else. So the captain of the ship has to give control to the specialist pilot to take it through. Dead slow ahead barks pilot captain Fred Maston, who's been uh, threading this uh, maritime needle for 12 years. Ahead, a 800-ton lock gate resembles a mammoth moor widening to swallow the Pan Express, which is the name of the ship, a vessel laden with steel pipes and wood from Indonesia. Then there's a question, how tough can canal piloting be? It says, imagine you're behind the wheel of a 25,000-ton Cadillac, three football fields long. The road is icy, the brakes are mushy, and you've got to squeeze into parking place with a few feet, sometimes less, of clearance on either side. It takes little practice, says 13-year-old veteran Captain Robert Dell, with a dash of the right stuff and modesty, so he's being a bit sarcastic. It says, canal pilots are a relaxed, self-assured bunch not unlike airline or military pilots, perhaps it's the years of handling multi-million dollar craft. Many of the 200 canal captains are old salts, which must mean people experienced at the sea, with decades of experience at sea. Nonetheless, it takes at least eight and a half years to become fully qualified to handle any of the 12,000 odd vessels that transit the waterway of, of the uh, Panama Canal each year. He says, as the bow of the Pan Express, the ship uh, nears the increasingly narrow-looking lock entrance as it goes to one of these locks. Maston orchestrates the arrival, delivering rapid-fire orders to the ship's helmsman, uh, the lockmaster, two tugboats, and six diesel locomotives. The powerful locomotives, known as mules, I think they're the tugs, are quickly attached to the vessel by cables and help control the ship's speed entering the lock. He says, at any moment, one expects to to hear the scream of the steel hull scraping the concrete lock walls. The Pan Express 
with a beam width of a hundred feet um, takes three to four pilots to direct. It says the locks are 110 feet wide by a thousand feet long, so there's very little room for error. So he's got ten foot, five foot on each side to direct this ship that is skidding on ice, 25,000 ton. Another account says it's almost like a slow destruction. It glides to destructing anything that was made before it. The ship then crosses one of the world's largest man-made lakes before passing through another set of locks, which lowers a vessel to sea level on the Atlantic side. It says, bells ring and the huge algae-covered lock gates open as a ship emerges from the second set of locks and a crew of 19 line handlers does the dangerous job of releasing the taut locomotive cables. But Maston... But the Captain Maston won't breathe easy until the infamous, it's called the Galliard Cut, or the channel, is behind him. So there is a channel that he needs to get through. He's just done the locks. He's got to get through this channel. So the eight-mile channel snaking through the mountain shale of the Continental Divide was the most difficult engineering feat during the canal's construction. Prone to landslides during and after excavation, the cut remains the narrowest and most challenging section of the passage. So if, if fog rolls in, um, while you're in the cut or the channel, it's lights out. You just have to rely upon your radar and keep going forward. A normal canal transit takes about 10 hours of that kind of concentration. When the Pan Express emerges on the Atlantic side, Lee will resume command of, um, of his bridge. The captain comes back in, the pilot leaves, the canal pilot will take a tugboat to shore where a large Chevy waits I don't know if we need to know what the brand of the car was, waits to shuttle them back to the Panama City. It says, in a month or so, the Pan Express will be back, bound for Seoul with a load from Kansas. And so this ship, you know, uh, travels to, you know, in a month's time, it will be back to kind of, to do it all over again. And I believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is the one that can direct us, and he is the pilot that directs our life. And he teaches us as he directs our life. And so at a time like this, when there is you know, a lot of things being unsettled all over the world, we need to draw close to the Lord and focus upon the Lord and uh, the things that he has taught us to understand how to navigate through this, you know, through this time of our, our, our walk with the Lord. Maybe we'll have another couple of scriptures here. I'm not sure what time I started, but I think it was close enough to two. Um, let's go to um, Matthew 14. This is a scripture that we read a lot. But it's a good one to kind of go back over again and to, to understand the principle behind it when Jesus comes walking on the water. So it's in Matthew chapter 14. We're going to start in uh, chapter 25. It's a, it's a story that the Lord gives us about being distracted and being focused upon him. And it reads here, hopefully everyone at home has caught up with me, in verse 25, and it says, In the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is the Spirit. And they cried out with fear. But straightway Jesus spake and said unto them, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And, Je- and Peter answered him and said, Lord, um, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. And Jesus said, Come. So the Lord is always telling us to, to walk by faith. He was encouraging us to say, the way you know. You take, and, and then Peter was come down out of the ship. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. 
And when he saw the wind boisterous and he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and called him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And you know, you can get quite a bit out of a, a story that the Lord's trying to teach us that the Lord always encourages us to step out and to be courageous and to rely upon his strength and walk by faith. And even if we fail and we feel that we didn't actually do as well as we expected, the Lord is always there to catch us. He doesn't let us sink. We may feel that we have failed, but we have succeeded because we have trusted the Lord. We've walked by faith. The other thing I get out of the story is about this thing called distraction. When he saw that, you know, the the strength of like, you know, the wind and the waves, he lost focus of Jesus. And a time like this now, there are a lot of waves in this world, but if we focus on the Lord, he will direct us through. And not focused upon the statistics. I don't care how many are infected, just keep your distance. I don't care how many have died, we care for them, but we don't kind of, we don't kind of, uh, um, yeah, we don't kind of fall into despair. There are promises that say that you will be protected. That you are not like everyone else, you are the anointed. And Pastor Chad mentioned, if you, if you'd like to have that experience, um, it's very simple. You just have to ask the Lord and He will fill you with the Holy Spirit. And we have people here that could testify and tell you how easy it is. So we're not in despair. Another, another thought is sometimes when, I just wonder if, um, maybe sometimes the, uh, the water is so still that you can see your reflection. And sometimes we can get distracted upon even our own self. We see the reflection of ourselves and say, that looks wonderful. I might just look at that rather than the Lord. And sometimes we can get caught up in our own agenda and our own, um, self-image and, and our own success and our own presentation. And again, we look away from the Lord. We look at how wonderful our life is. Our life is the Lord. Our life is spent looking at the Lord. And as we look at him, we're directed. I might just go, before we finish up, I might just go to Hebrews chapter 2. I just read this this week and I really enjoyed it. And hopefully it makes sense as I share it with you. But um, just talking about you know, the authority of Jesus Christ and looking upon Jesus and um, and I guess, you know, um, the power and the influence he has over this life. Remember, he is the creator of all things. But in, in this passage of Scripture, it really brings out, and we might cut it up and we might just go through it, you know, piece by piece, but uh, we'll finish off with a few, you know, uh, Scriptures here. But it says here in Chapter 1 in uh, Hebrews, hopefully you've caught up there, Duncan, but it says here, God, and who in sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, and hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son. And that's how we see Jesus, whom he hath appointed heir over all things. So I just want to kind of go through, and I've marked them here. So in verse 2 it says, Jesus Christ has been appointed heir over all things. And in verse 1 it says, also it says, he made the worlds, Jesus Christ. In verse 3 it says, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. So Jesus was the character of God. In verse 4 it says, he being made much more better than the angels. 
This is this man, Jesus Christ. Verse 5, it says, For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son? God said none of that to any of the angels. He only said it to the Lord. Verse 6, he said, and let all the angels of God worship him. There is no one else that God has said that to. And in verse 9 it says here, even thy God hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. In the next chapter, in in chapter 2, it says here in verse 5, For unto the angels had he not put in subjection the world to come, whereof we speak. But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man, that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man, that thou would visit him? He says, Thou made him a little lower than the angels. He's greater than the angels, but God made him lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honour, and did set him over the, the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet, from that he put all in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. And what the scripture is saying to us here is that we know Jesus is powerful. We know he has influence and authority. But we cannot comprehend how powerful he is in our little minds, in this earthly vessel. We can't understand his strength and his power. And that wasn't why the, you know, why God sent the Lord here to be with us. You know, um, Jesus has no, um, insecurity issues. Maybe we have those, but not the Lord. But it says here in verse nine, we don't see him, we don't understand him that way, but this is how we see him. It says in verse nine, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honour, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom um, are all things, and by him um, are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. So he is our captain. He is the one that will lead us through this next chapter. We have things to do in our life. We always have things we need to work on. But we need to tap into this incredible strength and this insight into what's happening in this life. So in closing, I just want to summarize a few points here. We're living in a time of great significance. And we're meant to be here. Um, We need to approach it with great faith, uh, with great conviction. And the conviction comes when you say to yourself, I am meant to be here. And what I know can lead others. And what I know, others want to hear. Um, we need to keep our eyes fixed on the Lord. He is the captain. He is the one leading us through. If we get distracted and start worrying about statistics and worrying about how wonderful we look, then we'll lose sight of the Lord. You can't focus on two things at once. You can only look at one thing at one time. And and at a time like this, and always in our life, we have to look at the Lord. Um, and of course, the final thought is um, we need to understand that we know the way, but the unsaved have no idea where they're going from here. And it's we are the light of the world, the city that's been set on a hill. It's our job to go and to call, to speak, to communicate and direct people to the kingdom of God. Amen. I'll leave it there.